Hello everybody, I warm welcome you to our fifth podcast of the Mission Somerset. This episode is called, Do I Have To? And it's called that because of what it says in Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the end, to the very end of the age. It is a difficult verse because it commands every single one of us to go and make disciples. And the reality is, like we feel this morning, I suppose, like, do I have to? What if you don't feel like it? What if you don't want to do this today? Because maybe challenges you have in your family, between you and your wife, you and your children, you and your brothers, you and your colleagues, you and your boss, and it's difficult. How do you love the ones that you cannot love? How do you pass that barrier? Well, this is what you're here to find out. So let me just quickly pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, that through your power and glory and honor, Father, you allowed us to be in your presence. And without you, we could not do this work, Lord. It's too much bearing and it's too hard. But our joy is that you are with us no matter what, no matter what our struggles are, no matter how hard it is, you promised that you will be with us and you are showing that day in and day out. And I'm grateful. I pray for these people who are here this morning and listening to the podcast. I pray that their souls be filled with your Holy Spirit, Lord that they will feel that calling upon their lives to do the thing they ought to do, but they are scared to do it, or they find it challenging and hard. I pray for them, Father, that the God of this world will not be stronger in their lives, that they will not put themselves under the condemnation of your blood, that you have to ask it back of them and not be able to give it back to you, Lord. But like with any manager, that they will be responsible with the duty you've given each one of us to fulfill here on this earth, Lord. I know it's not salvation through through acts. It's salvation through faith, Father. But Father, if our joy is not in you to repent and to help others to repent and to save as many as possible, then to what use, Father? For we ought to be like you, loving unconditionally. So I pray for these listeners that their hearts and minds be filled with your wisdom to understand that with this salvation there is a responsibility and they ought to do something about it. In Jesus' name, Amen. So now I hand it over to my brother, Ben, who's going to talk more about this issue. Great, thank you, Damien. So um, I'm going to well and truly um, get the ball rolling and give it a good old kick. Um, As we look at this theme of do I have to do it, um, 
which is a theme all about being and making disciples of Jesus, which is actually the same thing, because if you are a disciple, one of the things that Jesus commands us to do is to make more disciples. So um, here's some things and um, that I've observed this week, looking online, talking to different people, working in different contexts, doing different things. I've seen people really passionate about social projects where they're gathering people around a cause or something that people are passionate about. It could be about lots of things. It could be about the climate, it could be about the earth, it could be about the current general election that we're preparing for, it could be about offering a service in, in their community. And I've seen people really excited about that. I've seen other people really excited about seeing people healed from physical sicknesses, seeing demons cast out of people and people being baptised. I've seen lots of people doing that. Um, I've seen people who are on the start of a journey of wanting to make disciples, really, really enthusiastic and excited about gathering information from different people and trying to learn everything they can about what's working and what's not working here in the UK. And I've thought about all of these things and I've thought there seems to be something missing from all of these people. There seems to be something missing from people who are really passionate about helping people and gathering people. There seems to be something missing from people who want to get people saved and baptised. And there seems to be miss something missing from people who are really enthusiastic about a vision for mission and God's kingdom. Um, but they don't, they, they seem to be gathering lots of information and they don't know where to start. And I think the thing that's missing from all of it, in my opinion, is this understanding of how to make disciples of Jesus. Because it's something that is rooted in a change of life in other people through repentance and faith. Um, and it then begins to transform that person as they gather in a community of other disciples because you can't be a disciple on your own because Jesus said a disciple loves other people. So if you're not in a community of other people, then that sums up how you're doing as a disciple because if you love other people, you're with them all the time. Uh, I love Damien and Jan. I see them all the time. No one has to tell me, oh, you should meet up with that. So... And I've had conversations with people who seem to be on like an information gathering exercise. Um, and I've tried to encourage them, actually, just just start. Start where you are. Ask Jesus, read the Bible, do what he's telling you to do. So I think this theme of making disciples, being a disciple, is something that God is wanting us all to understand a lot more about it. Damien read... Um, at the start from Matthew 28, 9, 18 to 20, that Jesus commanded his disciples to go and do what he'd done with them. He called them to go and baptise more people and to teach them to obey all the commands I've given you. So he wasn't telling them to go and give people lots of answers or teach people correct doctrine. All those things are important, don't get me wrong. But he was, he was actually instructing his disciples to go and help people know Jesus and obey him. And that's a very, very different thing. So we're going to unpack a bit. What does it, what does it look like 
to build, be involved and to live in a culture of disciple making because that's what we've really been trying to do here in Somerset. We are not trying to build the biggest, most successful church in Somerset. That's not what we're trying to do. We are trying to help people obey Jesus and our measure of success isn't how many people we have or how big our meetings are. Our measure of success is are we growing in our own devotion and love and obedience to Jesus and are we helping, teaching and equipping other people to do the same? Because if we do that, then we'll be really, really fruitful like Jesus wants us to be. So um, often being a disciple means um, doing things when we don't often feel like doing it. So um, I wanted to kick the ball over to Jan, who is going to share a little bit about that. Thanks, Jan. Uh, yeah, well, um, so I'm going to be like the complete um, antithesis of uh, Ben. And um, uh and, and really refers back and echoes the title of Why Should I? Um, and why Should We um, Obey Jesus? And, and today I, I find myself um, with the heavy undertow of um, my life, um, which is the real, just, I'm just saying it how it is, it's just the real thing. Uh, uh, difficulties at home with my wife, She's not a believer, and and um, uh, just just upset 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 my daughter, and um, and I tried to sort of correct things, but I made it even worse. But that's just these these are sort of domestics of um, of life. Like I said, it's the undertow, but the, this is normal, and um, uh, it stops me, prevents me, it, like. You know, the Holy Spirit taps on our shoulders and he says, I want you to do this. And you say, I can't because I don't feel like it because of my problems at home. And he says, well, what do I say? And and he said, and what, what he says, it's the horizon of it's looking to that horizon and, and pulling your head out of the hole. And the horizon is scripture. And it's about what Damien read about finding uh, you know, snatching people out of the flames, ultimately. Um, and it, this life is short, however um, dense and compact with uh, pain it is sometimes and uh, darkness and confusion. Um, so why do you say yes to Jesus, Jan, in those times? Um, because... Um, if I step into his groove, and is that expression, um, if I fake it, I'll make it. If I step into that groove of what Jesus wants and and skip and dance to that tune, um, then uh, that's a way of worshipping him and praising him and putting yourself aside. Putting yourself aside. It's just, I mean, the thing is, every time you do, you step out and you say something about the gospel, preach in the streets or reach out to people. It's always a, a sacrifice um, because you're going to go against the grain of, you know, our culture and uh, people might not like what you say and it's, um, you might upset people, offend people. Or, um, 
And so it's always a sacrifice to utter the words to people that to say that Jesus loves you and Jesus got a plan for you. And, uh, um, and so why do I do it? Because if I step into his groove, then I get supplied with all those things that are um, a su like supernatural. It's a supernatural that you step out of the natural, the bog land of whatever your brain is in that Monday morning, and you step into the supernatural of uh, God's slipstreamer and he's tapping to his grid and his and his and his energy and it's the best thing going and you, you then feel less concerned with your own issues and it draws you out pulls you out and you stand on his shoulders and on, on that the brow of the hill that is Jesus and you see his view you see the, the landscape and and the perspective and you see it all the world from his point for a moment and that's that valuable glimpse that we all need to take that breath on that hilltop and let him breathe life into you um what would your encouragement be jan to um people who are feeling the weight of their life situations right now just as you are what, what would you encourage them um to um, reach out and, and I think to pray, to sing praises to Jesus, to God, lift his name high um, and um, look, be, be selfless. And that, and um, and some and and like a day to day, it's so hard because I want to just wrap myself up in my own self pity, and bury myself, and in, in some hideaway, and um, uh, but I know I know that there's days like that, and I know I need to, and people need to. Stop giving, you know, in, stop giving excuses, because um, with all those issues, all those problems, God, Jesus can process things rapidly, quickly, in, instantly. He can heal you. He can take you to, to that uh, place of strength and knowledge and wisdom, and to know what to do and to step out and tell people about Jesus, because we're all in this veil in this dream and you see you walk you know you walk into the streets and and everybody's concerned with their pursuits and their their nine to five and they're paying their bills and picking up the kids and driving the van or their car to the garage to get it and it and and it's and this time is so short and eternity is so vast and we have to prioritise what is the bigger, what is what is the most important thing we can use with our time. What's the what can we? And it's wood, um, wood, hay, and stubble. Our days are just full of wood, hay, and stubble. And it says in the Bible that that's what's going to be burnt up. And what we need to to search for is gold, silver, and precious stones. And it's the precious stones of of bringing, you know, the gold, silver of His kingdom. 
of, of something solid and durable, but the precious stones of people's souls and bringing them to baptism and set them on, on that life where the Holy Spirit can polish them up uh, and make them sparkle and bring them to that perfection. And, and, and that's the, 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 we, we fight against this wood, hay and stubble, the days, so many days lost to wood, hay and stubble, that in that, when we stand in the, the full uh, light of his glory and the full blaze of his glory, all those other works of wood, hay and stubble are burnt off and he's looking for gold, silver and precious stones. Uh, which are going to last and endure for eternity. Okay. Um, Yeah. Um, Thanks, Jan, for sharing very honestly. Um, I want to say something and then hand it over to Damien. So um, I'm someone, maybe naturally, maybe God's made me like that. I'll let others decide. I, I can easily focus on something. When I'm presented with something, I tend to focus on that probably maybe too much but um you know i remember when when i got to grips um with the reality that jesus is going to ask me when i meet him did i baptize people and did i teach people to obey him and when i came to the place of fully accepting that um that changed everything so it changed my understanding of what i needed to pray about it changed my understanding of what i did when i met with other people who wanted to make disciples as well. So um, what I learned about myself is that I like to find comfort and hide in things that actually is not what Jesus has asked me to do. I had to realise that I actually found comfort in being involved with um, networking exercises with other Christians, conferences, church gatherings, this whole world that I call churchianity, um, which I found comfort and I, I was I was living in, but it wasn't actually leading to any d- disciples being made. And by that, I mean new people coming to faith, being baptised, being gathered together and then trained to to be the church, to, to make more disciples. So um, it's one of the things that it, for me personally, I had to shift. I had to shift my focus and it was hard. It's hard to shift your focus in in any area of your life. To, to stop doing other things that you've done for a long time or things that you like doing. Maybe things that you do that people recognise you as that. Um, to actually focus on this this work of making disciples. Um, I was talking to a guy uh, last night actually and I felt to encourage him. He was, he was talking about uh, what God's calling him to do. He's really enthusiastic and it was a really encouraging conversation. But I felt to encourage him near the end that um, the work starts when the first new disciple gets baptised. It's not all the the endless work we do with our small Christian team or creating websites, doing all these kind of things. All of those things are possibly helpful things that come out of when you've actually started the work and you see see that fruit of, of new life and, and new growth. Um, so I want to hand over to Damien. Um, I would like to read something that one of you have posted, and this is what you have posted. Um, it's a person called Fokker. He said, 12 biblical answers to how is it going or how are you doing? Just picking back from Jan. 
and he says here, I am fine, is not one of them. And reality is, in the last week, I have undergone all 12, actually. And here it is. I am sorrowful, but my sorrow will turn into joy. John 16, 20. My soul is sorrowful even unto death. Stay and pray with me. Matthew 26, 38. I am afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Corinthians 4, 8. I am perplexed, but not driven to despair. Corinthians 4, 8. I am struck down, but not destroyed. Corinthians 4, 9. I'm running the race set before me, despising the shame, but keeping my eyes on Jesus. Hebrew 12, 1-2 By God's grace, I am standing firm in the faith and staying strong. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 I'm thankful in and for my circumstances. 1 Thessalonians and Romans 15 The Lord has given and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job 1 21. I'm fighting the good fight and keeping the faith. 1 Timothy 4 7. I'm pressing on towards the goal of the upward call of God Christ Jesus. Philippians 3 14. And the last one, brother and sister, stay and pray with me. I have undergone all of these things. Even today, when we met this morning, if you could just see us, if you could just see us and see how we are, we are in no way that we feel like we want to go out or warn anyone or tell anyone about anything. We just want to hide away and rest and, you know, just read our Bibles, be on our knees and pray to God because that's the only place where at the moment we feel is what we need. But then you have this verse. And this verse says this, it's from Ezekiel 3.18. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. Another version says, If I warn the wicked, saying, You are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. <laughs> are you ready for that? To go before your God and know that your hands are guilty of blood because for whatever reason you had a million problems in your life, I'd like to meet that one person who lives in this world and says, I don't have problems. But just because of your problems, you just condemn or not warn someone or allow it to go its own way, not even thinking that that person will die tonight, today, in their sins. And now you're going to go and see your God and say, well, I knew what to tell him, but I didn't. What will be your excuse? I don't know what mine would be. 
because before my Lord I can't have any excuses, can I? And here is the amazing thing. A few people that we baptized, these people are not, they haven't been Christians for years and years and years, like I have been, like Ben has been, like Jan has been, like many of you are. But one thing they have reached out is, what is the Bible saying? They want to find out the answers, what it says. And it's almost this urgency in their asking, what does it mean? Because they really want to understand it. And the question is, well, why do you bother? Why do you want to understand it? That you get to the length to ask other people. I don't think any of us have done that. I know for certainty that I have never asked someone, what this passage of the Bible says? I always try to work it out myself. When someone reaches out to find the answer, it means it's a deeper search. The question is, why is there a deeper search? Personally, I believe that God wants that person to do something. Because this other person, which I shall not name any names, she says literally that feels like there is something that she needs to do every time she reads the Bible and she wants to do it. And I'm really proud of her actually, because she feels this calling in her heart that she wants to help other people. She said that in the last past few weeks, in the length of a week time, Five people have come to this person saying, we want to kill ourselves. They wanted to commit suicide. And she, here she is saying, I don't know a lot about the Bible because I'm just discovering. But I can tell you that Jesus can help you. Jesus can save you. And all you have to do is clench yourself into Jesus, anchor yourself into it and love Jesus and he will help you. So if someone who just came to Jesus can do that. What is your excuse? As far as I know, she saved five people from committing suicide. As far as I know, she has seeded the word of Jesus in five people. In what? In less than a few months time. And now she's in anguish of wanting to serve Jesus. She is literally searching of how to understand her Bible better. She's searching on how to understand God better. And she was telling me, all the different times God has spoken to her in just doing routinely day activities such as cleaning the dishes or cooking something in the kitchen. God was constantly talking to her. So if God can do this with a newborn baby, what will it be your excuse in the day of judgment? Have you hidden your talent? Or have you multiplied it like a good manager does? Damien, can I just jump in? What, yes. what would you say... To people, we often have people ask us, don't they? Because they see us get up to all sorts of things. Sometimes we share the videos on Facebook and things. Sometimes we don't. What would you say to the people who say to us or are concerned? Oh, you just baptize people and then you leave them because you don't send them to a church and things like that. What What would you say to that question that people ask? Okay. I definitely know for a certainty that none of us here are against any church or gatherings of group of people. But what consumes every one of us when we baptize a person, rather than that person joining a group, we want that person to grow. We want her to grow in her understanding of who Jesus is for that person, what is the expectation of her salvation, and we want them to understand how to read the scriptures into 
growing to become that adult mentality, personality within themselves. A person who's so filled with the spirit that it does not need crutches to be supported anymore. As far as I know from myself, I constantly encourage people to go to a, a group of worship, a, a gathering, because that's what I do as well. But our concern is that every time we baptize someone, we want to make sure that that person grows, it stays with us, it gathers with us, and it shares the Gospels with others. And we help to grow with each other together in the body of Christ. That is my answer. Back That's to a good, good answer. So, um, for you, I thought you were going to say something weird then. No, I'm joking. Um, so, it's a bit like Paul. You know, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, I think it was, that, you know, they, have, they might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but they only have one father. And he says, through the gospel, he begot them, which is a word that basically means like when you have your own children. So, you know, we're not, as a as a network, Mission Somerset, we're not, let me say it again, we're not only just interested in baptising people. We actually are passionate and working together to make disciples. Baptism being, um, as far as I can see from the Bible, the first step that shows people are willing to repent. Um, while I'm while I'm talking, can one of you guys find where the reference is in the Bible about where it says Jesus was at Caesarea Philippi with his disciples and he said to Peter about building the church on him? I can't I can't remember, but I feel like I want to share it. Do you know where it is? Mm-hmm. Well, if, I'll, I'll keep John, talking. Isn't it in John I don't know, but if you got, could you guys find it and just shout out because I'm going to carry on talking. Um, so. You know, when the question I often think is like, what, what is what is working or what is bearing fruit around this area of making disciples? So um, for us as a team, for me personally, what what I'm looking to see happening is um, that we want to help new people, people who didn't know Jesus, come to know Jesus, start living the life that he has for them to to see these guys gathering together in new churches that might meet in homes, might meet in cafes, wherever they are, where they help each other grow as disciples of Jesus together. But we want to see, a bit like when Paul said to Timothy, what you've heard from me in the presence of many faithful witnesses, pass on to other faithful people who can teach others. So I I really want to see that kind of thing happening. So when we hear some of the guys that we have the honour of discipling, starting to talk about how they are beginning to make disciples, that feels like we're beginning to understand what it means to make disciples. And um, I think one of the biggest things that has helped to happen, sorry, one of the biggest things that has helped that to happen has been this idea of we're creating a disciple-making culture because a lot of these new disciples they don't know anything different. They think it's normal to read the Bible and ask questions about it. They think it's normal to look to gather more people. They think it's normal that once they get baptised, they should be looking to baptise more people. And um, this whole disciple-making culture and mentality is sadly so different from the the kind of Christianity that I've grown up in. And we're not we're not criticising or pointing the finger at at people or this church or that church 
we're trying to challenge this whole understanding of what it means to be a disciple. And I think you can get caught up in discussions about what church should be like and how you should meet and doing this and doing that. But actually, unless you address this core issue of making disciples, I think we're not actually going to get to the point of understanding what Jesus is really trying to say to us. I just want to share one little story, which I found it really funny based on what um, you reminded me of it now, in, in uh, Matthew 28. I, I was in a group house once a while back, and some people were actually reading Matthew 28, and I couldn't believe it, that, uh, that, that they were actually trying to reinterpret what the word there meant. I was, well, personally I was sad too see that people would be so scared to actually take those words and try to make them into something else. Explain what you mean. So you met with some guys in an, in another place and they were trying to read the Bible, but you felt they were sort of putting their interpretation onto it. Personally. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah, and I think that's that's the danger for all of us. It's easy for us to go to people and to to give people our interpretation of what we think God wants, and that isn't making disciples. That's teaching people our traditions or our things. So um, so for us, how do we begin to make disciples? Um, for us, the work is recon- reconciling a lost world to God through Jesus. That is, that is the work that we're called to. And as leaders um, of this network, me, Jan, Damien and our wives, our commitment is to equip the new believers, that that's their work and ministry too. So for us, we're not just constantly out there telling new people about Jesus all the time, all the time, all the time. We're actually gathering and training the people that we've already that we've already won to Christ. Because actually, by doing that and building up the body, hopefully, the whole of Somerset will know about Jesus, and and that's the vision. So when we when we first start to meet with people that want to be disciples because actually a lot of people don't want to be disciples and no amount of us going on at them is going to change that. There seems to be something amazing that happens in someone's life when God calls them and touches their life. They actually want to do it. So when we think back to our theme, do I have to? A disciple counts the cost and when has thought about everything says, Yes, I'm going to. So we're looking for people who, despite the challenges, are going to say, okay, Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. So we, as a team, um, made up some bookmarks. Um, They're available on our website, missionsomerset.co.uk, if you're interested. Um, But it runs through what are some of the basic teachings that Jesus wants us to start obeying as as a new disciple. And very simply, um, these are them. Change. We read a story, often Jesus going to Zacchaeus' house, to help people understand that the first thing a disciple does is that they repent. Then, number two, be baptised. You could read any story about baptism and help people understand what they need to do about it. Three, be filled with the Spirit. Four, tell others. Five, pray. Six, gather. Seven, go. So for us, the work really, really starts when we see new believers repenting and being baptised and starting to gather. We do a lot before that. We pray, 
we sow the gospel, we pray for lots of people, but really our goal as disciple makers is to, to find disciples and to then help them to start gathering and to pass it on to other people. So Damien helped me find the verse that I was thinking about, and it's in Matthew 16. And unless anybody else has anything to share, I think I want to wrap up this podcast with this this thought and then we'll pray um we were thinking the other day we were gathering people from our from our network and we were praying about what what is god doing what's god doing in people's lives um because if we don't know what god's doing in people's lives then we don't we don't know anything and as we we're praying i just was reminded about how um Jesus said to Peter to Peter that he was going to build his church on on Peter and I don't think that Jesus meant on Peter's natural attributes or how clever he was or because of how much he knew but what Jesus was meaning is that there was something that was going on in Peter's life that was from the father which meant that there was some foundation or something solid in his life and I think Jesus is saying He's going to build his church on people who are like that, who the father is at work in. So that despite all of their problems, because Peter was a was an idiot at times, just like us. But somehow Jesus built his church, his people, his work on those kind of people. And this whole conversation happened, Matthew 16, verse 13 to 20, in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And I wanted to leave this encouragement with you. Um it says Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? So the disciples come back with a few answers. And then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, I I had a look at what this place Caesarea Caesarea Philippi was about. And um, from what I found out, it was a place where in that in that town, there was a cave that was so dark and so deep and so long, people actually thought it was a a gateway to hell. Okay? So they were in a place that was known as the gateway to hell, and people believed that demons and all sorts of evil came out of that cave and entered the physical world in that town. So you can imagine what kind of place that might have been. Certainly not a nice place. Yet it was in that place where people thought hell is literally trying to overpower the world, it's in that place that Jesus was prepared to say to his disciples, who do do you believe that I am? Do you actually believe that I have the power to overcome hell in your life and in this place? And um, Simon Peter said, yes. Jesus said, you're blessed because the Father has revealed that. So... For many many of us, we might well feel that we're at Caesarea Philippi, where we can actually feel 
all of the powers of hell trying to overpower us in our lives, in our marriages, in our works, in our relationships with people. But I want to encourage you because it's right in this place that Jesus said to his disciples, the powers of hell are not going to conquer the building of my church. So be encouraged today. Be encouraged that Jesus, if if you choose to obey him and to keep following and persevering with him, Jesus will build his church through you, in you, on you, and the gates of hell are not going to prevail. So let's pray. We'd love to pray for you. Pray for you. I'm going to start. So Jesus, we pray that you would give us strength and courage to resist the devil. Thank you, Jesus, that you said you are going to build your church and the powers of hell are not going to conquer it. And for those of us um, working in mission and trying to plant churches on the front line, it often can feel scary and feel like we're fighting a losing battle sometimes. But we thank you that we're not. We thank you that we're not fighting a losing battle. We thank you that, Jesus, you are building your church. And we pray that we will be obedient to you. We pray that those listening will have courage to continue to obey you in spite of the challenges they might be facing. Father, I thank you that through your grace and power we will finish the good work that you have started on us, Lord. That no matter how we feel, how broken or how well or how sad or how happy we are, you are right here next to us and you will help us get on the other side, Lord. For the sake of your people, Lord. Because you care, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I just pray, pray and uh, just all the people listening, I just bless you. And I pray that um, Jesus would reveal himself to you uh, in the days and weeks to come in a, in a deeper, deeper way. And you would experience that, uh, the height, the length, the depth of his love. Mm. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Mm. Amen. Amen. So we hope that these podcasts um, are being helpful to you as you seek to be a disciple and make disciples. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love getting your feedback about it. And you can follow the work that we're doing on our website, missionsomerset.co.uk, or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you.